everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Talks with Tatiana. On today's episode, me and a special guest will be discussing mental health within the minority communities and ways to manage it in honor of it being Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. So I want to begin this episode by saying that um, I firmly believe that mental health is important for every race, but since July is Minority Mental Health Awareness Month, I wanted to make sure I covered specifically minority mental health. And then also, it's very common for minorities who have mental health to not be taken seriously due to like discrimination, and also because we are typically just silenced about it in our culture. So. In this episode, I want to make sure that there are like plenty of advice and knowledge given to minorities that don't have ways of being able to get the help that they need. And so I also want to just give a disclaimer and a trigger warning for this episode as mental health can really be um, a hard topic to talk about. And so there will be talks of suicide and just things of that nature that might be brought up. So that's just like a heads up if you don't feel like you're in like the right mental state to hear that in this episode. So Minority Mental Health Awareness Month is in July, as you guys can see, and it's dedicated to supporting minorities through mental health. And the reason why it's so important for minorities to have mental health support is because according to the Agency of Healthcare Research and Quality, minority groups in, U- in the US are less likely to have access to mental health, health services, less likely to use community mental health services, more likely to use emergency departments, and more likely to receive lower quality care. So poor mental health care access and quality of care contribute to poor mental health outcomes, including suicide within many minority groups. So the goal of mental health awareness, especially minority groups, is to break the negative stigma surrounding it and making sure everyone gets fair treatment when it comes to their health, both physical and mental. So I actually have someone here to help me further explain more about minority mental health. So this woman has become one of my best friends over the past year. She's one of my roommates in college. She's majoring in psychology, and I consider her my own personal therapist that keeps me grounded while away in college. And I also thought, what better time to bring her on than for episode five, because five is me and my family's lucky number. The number five really has a lot of significance to my family, but that's a story for another time. So now I introduce to you all, Shreya Dundagala. Hello, hi, thanks for welcoming me in Tati. It's really great to uh, be here with you talking about Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. How are you doing? How is quarantine treating you? I'm doing well. Um, trying to stay busy. I think initially when quarantine hit, I was just trying to survive, but now I'm kind of transitioning to thrive in quarantine. Yes, same. I really was at first, I was like, okay, this is fine. I'm a homebody anyway, like it's, it's <laughs> fine. But then like after a while, it's like, okay, I kind of want to get out. But are you taking any summer classes or are you involved in anything this summer? 
Yeah, so I um, have a remote internship. So I'm working with a consulting firm. So I'm doing that. And I'm also taking a super cool uh, interpersonal leadership class. Oh, that sounds good. You're always doing like major things. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so can you tell us a little bit more about your psychology major and how you feel like it's like helped you connect more with mental health for yourself and for other people? Yeah, so I am an information systems and psychology major. I have both degrees. And a part of my time in um, high school, I spent around two years uh, studying developmental psychology and the psychology of human relationships. So I do have an extensive background in psychology. And furthermore, just personally, I'm a really empathetic person. So I was drawn to psychology and my background in it has made it really easy to connect with people. But I also want to say um, everything that I see in this talk, though I am a psychology major, I am not a psychologist. <laughs> um, please don't 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 go quoting me. But I will cite my sources and I know Tati will have them on her social media. But again, I'm not a licensed professional. I'm giving my own advice kind of based on my life experiences, along with studies and articles that I've read, um, as well as just life experiences that I've had with other people that I've proven to be really helpful. That's really good. I know that like the reason why we were so drawn to each other is because we're both really empathetic and like we really connect with people's stories even if we've never like personally gone through it. So <laughs> I feel like that's why we connected really easily. Um, and I always found it interesting that you gave me like a psychologist perspective of things because I never would think of those things because that's not my major, but <laughs> yeah. so yeah. And so again, like Shreya said, she's not a licensed psychologist and neither one of us are experts. So we're just <laughs> speaking from experience and research. And so I know since we're both in minority groups, we have difficulties with our mental health being accepted. Um, I know personally for the African-American community, a huge part of the reason why mental health isn't taken serious is because of religion. And a lot of African-American households believe that people need to pray and look towards their religion for mental healing, which I believe it's, it, that's true if you are religious. But therapists and psychologists were placed in this world for a reason. So I definitely feel like going to therapy and getting help mentally should be normalized. And I know you're like in the Asian American and Indian minority groups. So what would you say is one of the main reasons why mental health isn't accepted in that group? Yeah, so I am Indian. Um, both my parents were born and raised in India, but I myself was born and raised in the United States. And so already we can see a culture clash, right? I have to kind of balance the sense of an American identity and an Indian identity. And so you see a lot in the Asian American culture that mental health concerns are considered taboo. They're dismissed, they're just swept under the rug. And it's like, oh, you're not feeling depressed, like you're just tired. Um, it gets, you know, just brushed past uh, multiple times. And so what was really interesting to me, um, Tati, when you reached out to me for this podcast, I did a little bit of research. And there's this really cool study by the University of Maryland, and it studied Asian Americans and mental health, and kind of why Asians are so reluctant to get mental health help as well as therapy. And the study found that Asian Americans are three times less likely to seek mental health services. 
which is absolutely insane, especially when we look at you know, Asian Americans, um, they have the most difficulty accessing these mental health services. And so, again, this is due to many reasons, um, the taboos surrounding it, also this pressure to live up to uh, this model minority stereotype, which really just inaccurately portrays Asian Americans as successfully integrating into mainstream culture while having to overcome the challenges of racial bias, along with, you know, parental pressure to succeed in academics. Um, there's just so many little things that kind of add up and really push Asian Americans away from seeking mental health. Yeah, I definitely feel like in a sense that's kind of how it is for a lot of minority groups too because mm-hmm. a lot of minority groups, it's just like, I feel like it's equivalent to being like crazy for having mental health problems. And I feel like it just shouldn't be that way. And I feel like because of like the past, that's why it's seen that way. And I believe that we're not taken that serious um, just because of um, past generations, like this has been going on. So like our grandparents, great grandparents and just so on, like in minority homes, they think it's normal to treat mental health as if it's taboo. And it leads to like their children having like those type of thoughts. And then that leads into like just the negative domino effects for like our future children. But I'm personally really grateful to have parents that were very understanding of like my mental well-being because I know that's not the case for a lot of people, especially minorities. But thank you for sharing that perspective because that really shows that different cultures have different reasons as to why their mental health just isn't taken seriously, even though it definitely should. But Yeah, exactly. And I really like how you brought up that it has been going on for generations. And we see something different with our generation, Tati. Um, With Gen Z, we are more open to this. And I know some people have said, like, we're in a mental health revolution right now, where people are becoming more and more accepting about mental health and kind of uh, getting rid of that stigma that it's taboo or it's wrong or you're crazy for having it. But I completely agree that parents need to be uh, more mindful. Yeah, I definitely think parents need to be more mindful and open to communicating with their children on mental health and educating themselves on it, even if like that's something that they weren't taught growing up. Um, they could definitely be the ones to break the cycle. But like you said, I definitely think this generation will be the one to break it for break the cycle for our future children um just because we really have like social media now and so we're like able to share information about mental health now more than they were in the past but i do feel like parents they have to learn to just embrace their children instead of like yelling or critiquing them all the time because i know for things like that children won't be as open to communicate anymore with their parents. And I feel like parents shouldn't like minimize their child's mental health because they feel like they don't face real problems because we're young. And I feel like that's a huge issue in our generation and why we're not taken so seriously because they think that we're too young to have real life problems. But Gen Z and all the generations after us, we really go through so much, especially being the social media era. And it's like back in the day when you were facing a problem in like school, for example, you could go home and you could forget about it for the day. But now when you're facing any type of problem, you have to go home and possibly still get cyber bullied about it. 
So would you like agree with that? I completely agree, especially with Gen Z and what we're going through. Like now we're going to be the generation that has survived a pandemic, <laughs> survived yeah. almost going, you know, the third world war, um, going to war, right? There are mm -hmm. so many things that have happened to our generation. And I think you're spot on the social media. Um, we are in the social media era right now where everything is posted online, um, there are cameras everywhere, and everything seems to be just hyper-magnified. So that contributes to the cycle of comparing yourself to other people, feeling down about it, and ultimately doesn't lead to a sustainable and healthy mental health. I definitely really agree with that as far as um, using social media like I know that for me that's definitely a flaw within myself like I'll see somebody else's lifestyle on social media and I'll be like oh my god like they're doing so well in life and I'm just like here but then like you know it's like I've learned to not do that as much because you just never know a person's life behind closed doors, like behind the screen and all the things that they do to enhance themselves. And, you know, so of course, like, and my mom has always said this, she's always like, you know, on social media, of course, a person is only going to show their best self. Like they're not going to show their worst exactly. self. Yeah. Exactly. Someone once told me that social media is a highlights reel of mm. someone's life. So you only see the best parts. So you can't compare your low parts to someone's best self, which they only portray on social media. You don't always have the full picture and it's really difficult to kind of step back and look at it objectively. But yeah, that's something that, you know, Gen Z has to learn how to adapt to uh, and face. Right. Um, do you feel like you have any personal experience with mental health being a minority? Yes, um, I, I've definitely had multiple friends who have, you know, had mental health issues and being able to kind of coach them through that um, and make them feel better is so, so, so important. I know, especially with, you know, being a minority, since it is taboo, it's a really tricky situation to continue to help people and to continue to normalize things like therapy um, and, of course, uh, fight that stigma of mental health. Sharia has been, um, she has seen me have like a million breakdowns, like at this point, since our friendship has started a year ago, and we've only really known each other for like a little while, but my experience with mental health is mainly just my anxiety and excessive overthinking. And it's, it's definitely cost me like a lot of friendships and relationships because my mind is just constantly going a thousand miles per hour. And just like, I always have a million different scenarios playing in my mind. And so it's very difficult for people that don't experience mental health to understand. And a lot of people feel like when someone is having anxiety or when somebody's overthinking that they just have a switch that they can turn off to make it stop. And I really wish it was that easy, but it's not. So I definitely believe people should be more empathetic and realize that even though they may not understand what they are experiencing, still supporting them instead of making them feel bad is a better way to be there for your friends. And I feel like my overthinking, it's really, really bad. Like, I feel like even if somebody looks at me the wrong way, my mind goes to so many different scenarios I'm like did I do something wrong like were they looking at me maybe they were looking past me like it's, it's really bad and I even 
like just overthink things from the past, like years and years ago, stuff from the past. And I'll be like, I can't believe that happened. Why would I do that? Why would I say that? Even though it happened in like 2015 or something, it's, it, I don't know. My mind goes into a whirlpool, but I don't really deal with depression as much. I try to like kind of sleep through my problems, which I definitely don't recommend doing that. Like do not sleep through your issues, but I feel like sleeping a lot um, is a sign of depression for the most part. Um, if anything, my anxiety will trigger a depressive episode, but not like a full blown depression, I guess you can say. But my biggest depression um, that I faced was the summer going into my ninth grade year. And I think it just had to do with the many changes that were happening in my life at once. I was moving to like a new house. I was going off to high school. And that summer was when like a lot of police brutality deaths started happening, like Sandra Bland and stuff. And I was also reading a book for my English class for high school and it was required to read it. And they vividly went into talking about death and stuff. And so the way that the book talked about death was really morbid. And I was very scarred after reading it because like, yeah, it was not a good book. And I don't know why they had us read that. But um, all of that combined had me really just depressed and just scared. And it was to a point where I couldn't really eat. I was like just on edge at all times. I just felt like in a sense that I was going to die and I don't know why I was just really scared about it because of everything going on at that time in not only my life but just in the world and so it really took me a while to get out of that but now like my main battle with mental health is just anxiety and overthinking because I have really awful anxiety attacks and um, a lot of them are silent anxiety attacks what I mean by silent is like I could be out at dinner with friends and then all of a sudden my heart will start racing up my chest and I just start feeling really teary eye and shortness of breath but no one really notices because I try to keep it under control so I don't freak anybody out but having anxiety attacks are not fun at all it's really scary and so like me and Shreya we're actually going to touch on that subject of anxiety attacks so like Shreya, can you give me your perspective on how to deal with anxiety attacks and some of the warning signs to look out for? With anxiety attacks, I think the number one thing to realize is that it's okay and what you're going through is valid. And so I kind of, I wanted to mention this quote. Um, I don't know who said it, but I think it perfectly describes anxiety. So living with anxiety is like being followed by a voice. It knows all your insecurities and uses them against you. It gets to the point when it's the loudest voice in the room, the only one you hear. And that quote, I think perfectly just describes what it feels like to live with anxiety. And so one thing that's important to note about anxiety attacks is that for those people who have silent anxiety attacks or panic attacks, the scariest thing for them is to have them in public and have someone notice. That's what makes a situation so much worse. And so when you're in a situation like this and you notice that someone may be, um, you know, not feeling okay, they seem a little off, instead of poking and prodding at them and saying like, wait, hey, are you okay? And bringing attention to it, sometimes it might be best to just let them, you know, take a deep breath and um, kind of relax a bit. And so they don't feel like they have so much attention on them. Another uh, really good way to deal with anxiety attacks, especially the silent ones that, you know, Tati has mentioned and I've had them myself, something I find really helpful is diaphragmatic breathing. So 
Diaphragmatic breathing is a little bit different than taking deep breaths. So when you take deep breaths, you kind of breathe in like with your chest, you feel it like going up and down and it really helps uh, kind of calm you down. But something that's a step further might be even more helpful is diaphragmatic breathing. So instead of just taking deep breaths with your chest, you will be engaging your diaphragm, which is essentially um, near your stomach and your belly and it expands in and out instead of your chest going up and down. A lot of um, singers will know what I mean when I talk about diaphragmatic breathing because when you sing, you sing from your diaphragm. And so by expanding that area and really taking in a super deep breath, it helps to calm your body down and kind of regulate and bring it back down from that anxious feeling. So that's uh, one one tip. And I know another tip is a lot of anxiety, it's the fear of the unknown, the fear of uncertainty. And so more often than not, it's something inside of your own head that a, a thought, a feeling, a memory that is triggering your anxiety. So an important thing that you can keep in mind is to remember your past. Humans are so resilient. If you've gone through an anxiety attack before, you just know based on your own history that you will and are going to get through this one. So if you keep that thought in your head and say, you know what, I've experienced it before, but I know I can get through this and I know I will get through this. That will help kind of talk your brain down from thinking like, oh my God, it's the end of the world. Like, oh my God, something's happening. Um, You will get through it. Right. And I know sometimes like a thing that isn't discussed much when anxiety is setting in is getting mad easily. Like when you're experiencing anxiety, sometimes you're really quick to snap and it's not personal at all. So like if you deal with somebody that has anxiety and they kind of like snap on you in like the middle of an anxiety attack, don't take it to heart because they don't mean it Um, because When a person is already nervous and on edge, like the slightest thing can trigger them. So like, for example, my freshman year of high school, we were on lockdown and someone in my class, they got a text from a friend saying they heard gunshots, which later on we found out like the gunshots were not on campus. They were off campus in another neighborhood. But, you know, when they first said it, we didn't know that. So at that point, I went into a complete a complete panic. And I remember like in particular, there was this one girl and she was trying to talk to me. And while like she was talking to me, I was also in the middle of trying to call my dad. I was like, I really don't care like what you have to say. Like, I'm just trying to get on the phone with my parents because I don't know what's happening. And I just remember like not going off on her, but just kind of being like, can you please stop talking to me? And I didn't mean for it to come out (laughs) like that. (laughs) Yeah, like I didn't mean for it to come out like that. But like in the middle, like of my anxiety attack, you just kind of go in a headspace where you're like, now is really not the time to be getting on my last nerves because my nerves are already bad in this situation right now. Like it's, yeah. So if they, if a person snaps on you, it's not personal. It's just, you're kind of pushing their nerves already and their nerves are already not in a good spot. So, and another thing I was taught about anxiety is to find things that your five senses can detect. So find something that you can look at, find something that you can hear, find something that you can smell, find something that you can touch, just so you know that you're present and that you're still here because that gives you reassurance in a sense, just knowing that, okay, like I'm here, I can smell, I can touch, I can see. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah. And then also just make sure um, you have code words set up with your family and friends for different situations. I know me and my mom, we have a code word and also like me, Shreya and our other roommate, we have code words for different situations. And they're actually really helpful because we're like immediately able to just identify if something is wrong. So I'll be like, for example, like if I'm like, oh, okay, Sharia said candle. That means she's about to have a panic attack. We need to take her outside to get like fresh air. And like candle isn't our code word, by the way. That's just like an example. But yeah, code words are really important to have. Um, even if like you don't have or know somebody that has anxiety, like just in case of any type of situation, you guys know like, okay, it's time to move or get out or just anything like that. Yeah, and um, code words are just so important. I know my sister and I also have code words for different situations. Um, I will advise, try to use something that's uh, an everyday type of item so you're not just randomly, you know, yelling like dinosaur, you know. (laughs) Hopefully it kind of flows into the conversation in some way. (laughs) Yeah, like, yeah, try not, yeah, not like any weird, like huge words. Like people are going to look at you weird, just like, a casual word that like you guys can say <laughs> um, as i say this oh sorry as i say this tati our code word is not <laughs> everyday language so we might need to change it <laughs> yeah we probably do <laughs> um another thing that ties into anxiety is post-traumatic stress disorder commonly known as ptsd and shreya she actually helped me realize that there's different aspects to ptsd and one of them being that you don't have to necessarily experience something to have it but if someone you know has gone through something traumatic and you watch them have to recover from it or die or something of that nature um that affects you as well so just because you weren't there with them when the traumatic thing happened being there for the aftermath can be really traumatic um so can you tell us your experience and knowledge with ptsd yeah of course so with ptsd um post-traumatic stress disorder it's a really common misconception that it happens only to soldiers or to those in the military or those who have been sexually assaulted and so What's kind of important to know is that the DSM-5, which is used by um, psychologists and psychiatrists to diagnose disorders, they, in the definition of what PTSD is, it says that any individual can have PTSD if they either directly experience the traumatic event, they witness the traumatic event in person, or they learn that the traumatic event occurred to a close family member or close friend or they've experienced firsthand repeated or extreme exposure to this event. Basically, in a nutshell, what PTSD is, it goes so much more than just something that soldiers have. And that's part of destigmatizing mental health disorders and um, bringing to light what PTSD actually is. And so one thing I found really interesting, um, I studied uh, a psychology study in high school about the terrorist attacks of 9-11 in the United States. And so the study found was that people who were closer in proximity to the 9-11 terrorist attacks were found to have higher rates of PTSD. But what was even more interesting and really just devastating to hear was that 4% of the entire United States population had 
post-traumatic stress disorder because of 9-11. And 4% doesn't sound like a lot, but if you do the math, that's a little over 1 million people who had symptoms of PTSD in response to the 9-11 terrorist attacks. So can you imagine just how traumatic um, a personal event to someone or a family or close friend can be when people can experience it in so many different ways. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't know that. Thank you for like giving those stats and stuff. And I also um, want to thank you for mentioning how it's not just soldiers that go through it, because I feel like that's usually what is taught in like schools and stuff. It's like, oh, like, exactly. When you go to the mil- yeah, when you go to the military, like soldiers can experience PTSD, but it's really something that like anybody can go through. And I definitely feel like I've experienced secondhand like PTSD, I guess. Um, In my communication episode, I talked about how my older sister was in a nearly fatal car accident. And when it first happened, anytime I was in the car, I would freak out. Like anytime I felt like a car was even slightly going over the line, I would panic. And that happened two years ago. So I've gotten better, but now like sometimes to this day, when I'm driving on a two-way road, like my heart starts racing and I hold on really tight to the steering wheel, just hoping that the other car doesn't swerve in my lane and hit me head on like how they did in my sister's car accident. And I think the reason why I had PTSD from this is because when I first learned how to drive, I would drive so close to the edge of the road because I'd be scared that a car would come over the line and hit me. But my parents would always be like, girl, like you're not about to drive us off. Like you're about to drive us off the road, get closer in the car, see you, they're not going to hit you. So when my sister's car accident happened, because the other car went over the line, it just felt like one of my biggest fears when it came to driving was coming true. So, cause I was like, wow, like that's always been my fear and it actually happened to someone that I'm really close with. And I even have PTSD from hearing stories about people getting shot while driving or at red lights. So I've always really hated when a car lines up with my car while I'm driving or while like I'm at a red light or something, because in my mind, I feel like they're lining up with my car with the intentions to shoot me through my window. And I know that sounds like really far-fetched, but I don't know, like it's just really traumatic to think that that happens to people in real life a lot more often than like not. So I just, I get really nervous and I do not like at all when any type of car lines up with me um, when I'm driving. And PTSD is just a really heavy thing to deal with. But I do remember having a coworker when I worked at um, Party City one time, she told me that her therapist made her continue to say her traumatic experience over and over again. And at first she was like, it was really frustrating to her and she didn't understand why her therapist made her do that. But she said she understood the more that she said it, the more that she was able to cope with it and come to terms with the fact that those traumatic things happened to her. So if you were ever experiencing PTSD, sometimes maybe telling your story or that person's story just over and over to yourself out loud or to a trusted person, it could definitely help a lot. I completely agree with that. It's so important to kind of own that story and not let it control you. Um, And a way that you can do that is by telling your story over and over again. So spot on, Tati. Yes, and um, definitely just not letting whatever traumatic thing you've gone through 
define who you are because like it's a thing of the past now but just you know and I know like in a sense you feel like it'll always be a part of you but just think of it in a way of like it's who like made you it helps like build you and grow you as the person you are today so yeah and, and so Shreya um she actually helped me um be able to help others with mental health like I've always I've always been that friend or family member you could confide in um, and I would help in the best way that I could but Shreya she's truly like really helped me find the right words to say to someone that is going through a hard time and one of those times was like I had a friend that wanted to commit suicide and a lot of people make like jokes like just small jokes that they don't realize is triggering like they'll be like oh I'm just gonna kill myself and they have dark humor but it's really just not a joke at all and I feel like a lot of people nowadays say it in a joking manner and like although you may see it as a joke others don't and that's a very strong and serious thing to say and you just really never know if you're triggering someone by saying things like that and it's all fun and games until you get that phone call from someone you love and care about and they're saying they're going to actually kill themselves and when I received that phone call from my friend a few months ago it was really unexpected and that's why in my communication episode that I recently did um I always I said in there to check on your strong friends because that's such an important thing to do because I considered that person one of my strong friends. And so that's why I was just really shocked. So you just never know, like, don't just assume like, oh, this person is my strong friend, they're fine. Always check on all of your friends and all your circles. But I'm really thankful that Shreya was there and we could talk my friend down from doing that. Um, do you want to go into your experience with this subject? Of course. So like Tati said, I completely 100% agree. Um, suicide jokes should not be normalized. Like I, I have no idea why people make jokes about killing themselves. It, it's something that needs to not be prevalent in today's society. Um, and Tati's right, you don't know who you can trigger with just a statement. I know personally when I see that someone is jokingly saying like, oh, I want to kill myself, like I genuinely get worried. I've talked three people down from suicide my entire life and those three people are people that I remember, I check in with all the time because they're three people who I had no idea, had no expectations that they were feeling this way. And so in a way, if we continue to keep joking about this and trivializing it, that's also trivializing those people who are actually experiencing those things. And it makes them feel like, oh, my feelings aren't validated. My feelings are a joke. And we don't want this. We don't want people to be feeling that way because feelings, emotions, thoughts, it's not funny. Right. And another thing, um, is that I feel like it should be normalized to go to therapy and care for your mental um, health. Mental health should be treated just like your physical health. And like for your physical health, when a person isn't feeling good or if they injure their leg or something, they go to the doctor. So why would you not normalize being able to go to the doctor when you feel mentally sick? And there's just so much taboo about getting therapy and there's nothing wrong with it at all. And it really should be more normalized in our generation. And 
Most people these days not having therapy to discuss their emotions and their past traumas, like that leads to them just not having a good mental health state. And I feel like even maybe sometimes if you feel like family therapy is needed, like try to do something like that as well, because the older generations, like they don't know sometimes because their parents and great grandparents and grandparents and stuff never talked about getting help in therapy and just talking through mental issues. So what's your take on that? No, I completely agree. Therapy is something that should most definitely be normalized and something that I find a lot of people tell me like their common problem with getting therapy is family members or those who are older will say, oh, you know, therapy is just talking to someone. Like, why don't you just talk to me and like everything will be better? Why do you have to go to therapy? And a therapist is someone who is licensed, someone who is trained for years on helping you control your thoughts and helping guide you to a more stable and sustainable, um, mentally healthy place. You can't get that as much as, you know, your friends want to give it to you, as much as your family wants to be that person for you. um, A therapist is someone who can stay objective and knows how to kind of through really unique um, and scholarly techniques, channel your thoughts into something that is especially beneficial. I've never been to therapy, but it's something that should be normalized and that getting therapy is completely okay. Like Tati said, it's like going to the doctor when you have a physical illness something is wrong and you need to fix it with the help of a licensed medical professional. I would definitely look into if you like are out of school and you're not in school anymore, uh, if your job has any like insurance as far as like mental health and therapist. And if you are in school, I know like at UF, we have um, free like wellness health that you can go to and speak to someone and in high schools and middle schools and stuff, you have a counselor. And in elementary school, I went to counseling um for like separation anxiety that stemmed just from like i didn't want my mom like to ever leave my side like that's yeah that's another story but i went to counseling for that and i remember it really helped me because like shreya said he was a licensed professional so he was able to explain to me like this is why you have separation anxiety and it really made me realize even though I was really young when I went to counseling um it really helped me come to terms with my emotions and then the older that I got like the things that he said and some of his coping methods really helped me to like keep in mind like okay my mom is fine like she's okay like she's not going anywhere and Yeah, so some of the things that the licensed professionals say, like they really stick and they really help. So, yeah. And so for people, definitely minorities, like that can't get a therapist, um, what are some tips and outlets to get away from mental breakdowns that you would recommend for helping them feel better? Yeah, so especially for minorities and those who just don't have the resources to feel better, there are little things that you can do to kind of help you feel better in the short term and potentially in the long term too. Um, I know Tati, you were mentioning resources. Another resource that I found super helpful is this app that you can download on your phone for free. It's called Wobot, W-O-E-B-O-T. And it's this little, artificial intelligence uh, robot that helps kind of coach you through um, cognitive behavioral therapy. And it's a cute little app that helps kind of uh, 
it kind of helps you in the long term to check in with yourself, reflect, um, and try to control any emotions that seem super overwhelming in the moment. But as for some tips that can help you feel better, power naps. I know Tati, you mentioned like, oh my gosh, like I sleep when I feel depressed, but that's something that a lot of people do. It's it's a way to escape from that overwhelming emotion. But power naps, even if it seems, you know, counterintuitive to, to sleep your problems away, if you take a nap for less than 30 minutes, you know, set a timer on your phone. This helps kind of rejuvenate your body. Um, I saw this really funny meme where it was like, oh, going back to sleep and getting up in the morning is the equivalent of turning a computer like on and then off. Um, and it's... <laughs> It's funny, but it's it's true. It most definitely works to kind of reset yourself and uh, feel better. But the key to that is to take less than 30 minutes so you don't hit that REM cycle um, and you wake up feeling refreshed rather than lethargic, which is really common. Another thing that is super, super beneficial to helping you feel better is to go on walks outside. Focus on your physical energy and making yourself get up and just take a walk around the apartment or take a walk outside, breathe in some fresh air, get some sunlight. It will do you wonders. Listening to feel good music is another really important thing that can help kind of make you feel better for a quick fix. Like for example, um, I know on my Spotify playlist, I have this little playlist called like Confi Dance. Um, Super punny and corny, but I Literally, I play that playlist anytime I'm feeling down because it's all music that, you know, pumps me up and makes me feel good. It's like, oh, I'm going to go out and change the world. Like, screw feeling sad, screw feeling tired. So listen to something or have something that pumps you up. Is it a favorite comedy show? Is it a favorite YouTuber? Is it scrolling through TikTok? Find something that makes you feel good and be able to recognize when you need it. Something else that was really interesting, I read in a study that if you peel an orange, the smell of citrus has proven to reduce stress, which is absolutely insane. You would think like, oh, you know, I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling low. I should peel an orange. (laughs) It's kind of like, what? (laughs) Um, Maybe I should start telling people that when they come to me and they feel sad. I'm like, go peel an orange. But (laughs) it's actually proven true. The smell of citrus has proven to reduce stress, which is really interesting. Another really great thing to do is to vent to someone, vent to your roommate, find a way to challenge the thoughts that are circulating in your head, get them out of your head. And whether you can get them out by venting to someone, by journaling, or even personally, if I can't vent to someone or and I don't really feel like journaling, I will literally take out my phone, open my voice memos, and just speak to my phone. And it sounds kind of crazy that I'm just literally just talking into my phone, but more often than not, it's so helpful because it's getting those thoughts instead of having them circulate in your head and kind of create this tornado of words that's so dangerous in your head, it's kind of spitting them out and putting them somewhere else, acknowledging the thoughts for what they are, and then kind of pushing that away. Another really important tip to kind of help prevent stress from building up is to call your family, whether it's your mom or a really close family member, find someone who's within your support system, someone who doesn't mind when you vent to them, someone who's going to listen to what you have to say and acknowledge your feelings and kind of treat you with kindness. That is so incredibly important and honestly is just one of the biggest tips is to find your support system and find ways to lift yourself up. 
Right. Yeah, those were really good. Thank you for sharing those. Um, and, you know, you've shared them with me before and they've definitely really helped, especially the orange thing. Like when you first told me that, I was like, what? And like, but like then like, you know, I was like, okay, I guess I'll like try to pull an orange and see, but you know, it's kind of calming. So yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like, like Shreya said, also just making sure that you have your support system and knowing your support system and just making sure that you're mindful of like the friends that you kind of hang out with for like your fun times and then the friends that you can really call on that will actually listen to your issues and be willing to try to help you get through them. I also just wanted to share some tips that I found online and like Shreya said earlier I'll make sure to post some of our sources that we mentioned but um, the Just Girl Project on Instagram recommended a few free mental health exercises and some of them were scheduled some free activities to do during the day which I feel like that will be something good for your mental health because you have something to look forward to because you schedule to do that. Um, try to go to bed early if you can. I know definitely being a college student and even like a high school student sometimes like it's in an adult just being in general, it's hard to go to bed early. So, um, but if you can, like, even if it's just one day out of the week where like time allows it, like definitely try to go to bed early so your mind can get as much rest as possible. Take at least 10 minutes to read something positive, which I definitely try to do that, especially now, like just reading about coronavirus and the racial climate we're in and everything, like that can be a little draining. So definitely taking 10 minutes to read something positive is something good to do for just your mental sanity altogether. Take the time to watch a show or movie that brings you comfort and happiness. Even if it's something that you've watched a thousand times, if it brings you happiness, then watch it for your own comfort. Um, drink extra water, like staying hydrated will help you physically feel good. And when you physically feel good, like that really helps a lot with your mental state. Make many goals for yourself to achieve. Like even if it's something like, okay, even though I have online classes, I'm not going to sleep till 12 p.m. today. Like I'm actually gonna get up at nine and get started. Like just little mini goals like that are very helpful. And then create and check off a to-do list. That's something that I do a lot because it just really helps you to not feel as cluttered and stressed when you actually write down, okay, these are the things I have to get done today, or at least I have to get done this week and just checking them off one by one. It feels really good to just scratch it off and be like, okay, like I completed that, it's done, it's over with. And then a personal tip I want to give is maybe try meditating or doing yoga. Um, those are really peaceful things that I've recently gotten into and that really has helped me clear my mind. Now, just to conclude this segment, we want to mention ways to feed into your four energies, like Shreya was um, kind of mentioning a little bit earlier. So the four energies in health is physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being. Um, so I'll start. So for physical health, try to get eight to nine hours of sleep. I know, once again, that's really hard to do if you're in college or working at least just try to or get as much sleep as you can. Um, try to get in at least 30 minutes of exercise in a day. So even if that means like you're just walking or jogging or if you just go up and down a pair, um, a flight of stairs, that can help as well. 
And if you happen to have like an Apple Watch or just some or a Fitbit or something where you can keep count of your steps, that can help you also be able to get in your 30 minutes of exercise. For your mental health, make sure to give yourself a break from working. So that means like if you have a job or if you're in school, um, I always reward myself during like breaks. So for example, if I have to read 50 pages for a class, I'll tell myself, I'll be like, okay, you have to read up until page 20. And then once you read up to page 20, you can get up and get a snack or you can stop to go listen to music or something. Like when you have those kind of like rewards in your mind, it motivates you to keep going um and then try to stop your negative thoughts and just focus on the now and the positive thoughts that can spin from that so shreya now can you cover the emotional and spiritual energy Emotional energy kind of really revolves around these high quality connections with other people. And that kind of goes back to what we were saying about finding a support system. Build high quality connections with other people, really connect to people and invest in them. Um, in that way, you'll find that people will be investing in you too. Part of that is also developing empathy. Try to understand what other people are going through and empathize with them. And empathy and sympathy are really different uh, terms. When we look at empathy, empathy is the ability to step into someone else's shoes and understand what they're feeling. Whereas sympathy is feeling pity or feeling sad for someone else. They're not the same thing. So having a strong emotional energy is based out of having strong empathy. Spiritual energy, on the other hand, is the why behind what you do. It's not necessarily a religion or a faith, but it's something that motivates you and that can be your religion or your faith but more importantly it's what your passions are what do you live for what is really motivating you to keep going every day and trust me everyone has a passion everyone has something um, and a purpose for what they live for if you master all four energies the physical the mental emotional and spiritual energies your mental health will be in a much much better place Right. And thank you for like your psychologist perspective on that, um, because I know a lot of people probably don't know that we even have four energies um, to focus on. But definitely, you know, like Shreya said, your physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health is very important to help you stay sane, especially during these times that we're in. So then that leads us into discussing the important headline segment of this episode. So I know recently the news broke that actress Naya Rivera's body was found in the lake where she went missing. And this has came after many, many deaths in 2020. And I know it can really take a toll on people just seeing constant deaths down your timeline. I know for me, it definitely has. I'm like, oh my God, like somebody else. I'm like, it's a lot to take in. Um, and our condolences go out to her family and the other families who have lost someone this year. And it's very important to just take moments throughout the day where you just don't look at social media because too much exposure to the negative headlines can push your mental health over the edge. And I've, I've definitely had to just kind of cut out social media sometimes throughout my day because it's just not even happy news anymore at this point on my feed. So... Yeah, I completely agree. 
social media can be really, really toxic to our mental health. So it's really important to recognize when you need to take that step back and say, you know what, you know, for the next you know, 12 hours, I'm not going to touch my phone. I'm not going to look at anything at social media. I'm just going to focus on me. And it's okay to do that. It's not selfish. It's okay to take a step away and process things. Right. Yeah, definitely. Now, just allowing yourself to process and realize, okay, this these things are happening in the world around me and I might not be experiencing it myself and I might not have faced it, you know, firsthand, but this is still happening in the world that I'm in and just allowing yourself to feel whatever emotion you feel about it, but don't drain yourself with all the information, like just take a step back. And the coronavirus, it's also really taking over along with like all the continuous racial incidents that are happening. And I believe that everyone who survives 2020 um, is going to need therapy or they're going to need to follow some of the free health mental health tips that we mentioned because this year is really traumatic. And I feel like a lot of people will leave this year with PTSD. So Drea, can you talk about some tips on dealing with mental health during these times of crisis? I think it's so important to acknowledge that not only are we facing a global pandemic, but according to recent surveys in you know, California, there's not only a global pandemic that we have to deal with, but there's also a mental health crisis. So it's okay if you're feeling unmotivated. It is okay if you feel like you can't do more than just get up, eat, shower. It's completely okay and your feelings are very much valid. Another helpful thing to keep in mind is um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And many people don't even know what that is, but Shreya, she actually introduced it to me um, during one of my down days and it really helped me a lot. And now it's just something that I always keep in mind. So do you mind explaining what that is? So Maslow's hierarchy of needs um, is essentially this pyramid, and there are five levels to this pyramid. Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the theory is that if you cannot fulfill the foundation of your pyramid and the first layer of the first level of that pyramid, you cannot ascend higher to the tip of the pyramid. So breaking down the what the pyramid looks like, the base, the very basic foundation is your physiological needs. So that's things like air, water, food, shelter, uh, sleep, clothing, um, being able to have all those needs. That's the physiological uh, needs level in Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That being said, if you don't have your physiological needs, for example, if you're worrying how to pay rent for your apartment, if you're worrying how to get food because a global pandemic is shutting down grocery stores and it's hard to go to grocery stores, that's a direct attack on your base pyramid and it's going to shake up all of your other levels. So when we go back to the pyramid and look at what else is above, uh, what else is on that period, we see that the next level after physiological needs is safety needs. So your personal security, your employment, uh, resources available to you, your health. Um, the next level is love and belonging. So that's friendship, intimacy, family. The next level is esteem. So that's your self-esteem, your respect, uh, your status, your recognition, your freedom. And the very top of the pyramid is self-actualization. So self-actualization is the desire to become the 
most that one can be. So becoming your peak, your best self. Now, when we take a look at what the coronavirus is doing and what this global pandemic is doing, it's directly attacking the basis of this needs pyramid. It's attacking our physiological needs and our safety needs. So how can you focus on things like schoolwork and relationships, the top part of the pyramid, like love and belonging, esteem and self-actualization? How can you focus on those three things when you don't even have a solid foundation for your safety needs and your physiological needs? So when we look at this period, it does a really, really good job of understanding the why behind your feeling unmotivated. Yes, I I love that pyramid so much. And um, I've passed that on to so many people now. So again, thank you for showing that to me and explaining it. So some tips from the health magazine to help for social distancing, if you ever feel lonely or if you just feel really drained with everything going on is to just video chat. Like if you can, like if you have access to be able to do that, like just video chatting, or even if you don't like just a regular phone call will work too. And I know me, Shreya and one of our other roommates, um, we have scheduled like FaceTime and Zoom calls all throughout this time just so we can stay connected and have that reassurance that all of us are safe and we're okay and knowing that like I still have friends and just just to have a good laugh and to be around people that make you happy. They also said to tackle a household project or personal project. Um, So if there's something that you've always wanted to do, but you never got around to do it, now is really the perfect time. Um, I have been planning this project this podcast for a while, but I never really got around to it until quarantine happened. So just try to come out of this quarantine with something positive. If you have pets, hang out with your pets. Pet therapy and animal therapy is very real. It's very helpful. I know me, like whenever I'm with my dogs, it always brings me comfort. And just do happy things that make you laugh. Like I said earlier, watching your comfort show, a funny movie, a stand-up comedy, like whatever makes you laugh, whatever makes you happy, like engage in those things. Because I mean, we're in quarantine, you kind of have time to do them. So, and then also just exercise. Um, There are plenty of ways to exercise other than the gym, because I know some people might not feel comfortable yet with going to the gym, but like running and walking or even just doing um, a cardio workout online. I know they have cardio workout videos and stuff online if you were interested in doing those type of things. Shreya, is there anything else you would like to add? Very much just make sure you're staying active and reaching out to people if you need help. One thing that I saw um, kind of like, not a debate, but just some people weren't on the same page as this, but they said, I realized that who are my real friends who are not my real friends based off of who checked on me during this time. And I feel like, you know, some people just have to be mindful that um, everybody's life is a little different. So this pandemic might have affected their life a lot differently than yours and a lot more drastically. Um, Maybe they like don't have anywhere to stay anymore or they're struggling money wise. So their mind isn't really on. Oh, wait, let me check on my other friends. So just, you know, be mindful that you know people might not intentionally intentionally mean to like not check on you during these times or they mean to check on you more often than they are but they're just kind of dealing with 
um, their own issues. But if you can, if somebody crosses your mind or anything, or if you have any downtime or free time, just, you know, try to check on someone. Now into the inspirational segment. The Motivation Monday quote of the week was, rock bottom will teach you lessons that mountaintops never will. And I love that quote. And I just want to say that being at the bottom doesn't make your worth any less than someone else's because the only direction from there is up. And we are all destined to different journeys and experiences. So your rock bottom may not look like the next person's rock bottom, but that's okay. And that's what makes everybody their own unique person. And you learn the real raw lessons about life at rock bottom. And that is what ultimately takes you to the top. So anytime you feel like in your mental state that you've completely hit rock bottom, just remember that you are learning lessons that will have you set for life. And the only way now is just to go up and build your way to the mountaintop of your life. And I promise you, you'll make it there one day to your mountaintop. So don't try to rush it, like just take in all the lessons that you're learning um, at rock bottom and one day you'll get to the top as long as you just believe in yourself and that you never give up on yourself. I love the Motivation Monday quote. I think there's a stigma that being at rock bottom means that you failed or it's a, it's a failure to be rock bottom. I actually view it as a starting point because you're not always going to start at the peak of the mountain. You're not going to start in the middle of the mountain. You're going to start at the very beginning, the base of the mountain. And sometimes that is definitely rock bottom. So start viewing your failures as this is a starting point to my mountaintop. This is my starting point to success. As I climb that mountain, as I go through life and experience its highs and lows, I'm going to keep collecting these lessons and it's going to help me climb even bigger and better mountains. Right. And I love how you mentioned like you can't like it's just not possible to start a mountain in like the middle or like at right. the top like you start at the bottom. So it's, it's perfectly normal and okay. Shreya, she has definitely given me some solid advice. Um, so I'm going to let her share um, some really helpful things that she's told me before that has really stuck with me and I feel like it's going to stick with me forever. I love collecting quotes. Um, I have a lot of personal quotes that have helped other people. And so one of my most favorite ones is upwards and onwards. And when people are stuck in a rut or they are stuck at rock bottom, they can't see anything else than their surroundings. And we tend, as humans, we tend to kind of get in this notion and this feeling. And I felt it before too of, you know what, like I'm, I'm sad, things suck right now, it's not gonna get better. And you kind of loop yourself into this really depressive string of thoughts that kind of contributes to your sadness. It's really easy to get stuck into this string of depressive thoughts that kind of continue to push you down. So one way that you can kind of lift yourself up is to think upwards and onwards. You always have to look up to the next thing that you're gonna do and keep on pushing. Humans, again, are so resilient. We can always move upwards and onwards despite any disadvantage or any obstacle that comes in our way. And if you kind of approach life with this attitude of, you know what, I'm at rock bottom right now or I am not in a good place right now, but guess what? Upwards and onwards. I'm going to keep going up and I'm going to keep going on. And so that quote has resonated with a lot of people and someone once told me that quote, so I'm not sure where exactly I get it. 
but it has always just stuck with me. Another favorite quote of mine is, cross that bridge when you get there, because sometimes you can really build up anxiety about the future and what's happening and what's going to happen, what's not going to happen. But if you keep in mind that problems are going to arise at any time and you have to deal with those problems in the moment. So if you keep that thought in mind and that idea that you're going to cross that bridge, you're going to deal with a problem when it happens, that is so reassuring because it's, it stems a lot of the anxiety you may be feeling about something. So I, I know, Tati, that quote has helped you a lot and you've passed that on to your mom. Yeah, um, I really love all of those quotes. They've helped me so much. And just especially like, you know, all of them really just upwards and onwards like that helped me. And um, I remember, I guess that one really stuck with me because that's the one that you told to like my friend that was going through their suicide crisis. And that really like just I guess I remember it sticking with him and it just stuck with me because that was just a very vivid memory that like I'll remember and it made me realize I was like wow like when you go through things like really the only way to go is up and you have to just move on and then hurt people hurt people really helped me too because I've always like taken things to heart and I just really had to realize I'm like okay these people have gone through things so it's probably not really just me it's probably just like their self issues that they've never tapped into so that's really helped and then especially like the cross that bridge when you get there advice because like as I mentioned earlier I am always excessively overthinking so when you told me that it made me realize that I can't predict the future so instead of overthinking a bunch of what if scenarios and stressing myself out I'll be more at peace when I just wait until I actually get to that bridge. And it's like really crazy because I know you told me that your mom gave you that advice and then she and then you passed it on to me. And just like the other day, I passed it on to my mom. So it's like a really positive chain reaction. Um, So always remember what you say to a person can really go such a long way. And remember to always make space for your mental health the same way you do with your physical health. You are not alone. You are not weak for having a bad mental health day. Allow yourself to feel your emotions because they are valid and always will be. Limit your social media intake and always try to write down positive affirmations somewhere where you can see them every day. So even if you have to write them down on sticky notes and place them on like your bathroom mirror, or something just so you can have those there to like start your day off positive like don't start your day off negative like when you have those affirmations there um when you first wake up those can be really helpful and shreya actually um bought me some inexpensive affirmation cards that you can shuffle and read through every day. Yeah, I remember giving you those cards. They're the little (laughs) unicorn affirmation cards, right? Yes. (laughs) Yes, Um, I absolutely love them. And just as a reminder from my communication episode, it's very important to, um, again, check on your strong friends and just checking in your friends in general and find just at 
minimum just at least one person that you can trust to that you can talk your problems out with i know like shreya has definitely become one of those people for me this past year um and we always just make sure to come out of our rooms to talk to one another and check on each other's well-being and like even if we haven't seen each other come out of our rooms in like a day we're like knocking on each other's bedroom doors and like we're like hey are you still alive is everything good anything you want to talk about um we've seen each other cry at least like three times now probably more but we're gonna go to three <laughs> and um but seriously um we've been um we've even talked about like just going on weekly mental health walks together just to get fresh air and talk out anything that we're going through in our lives and just allow ourselves to just step back from our normal lives for just like a minute a moment out of our day and um i definitely recommend doing things like that to maintain a healthy mental state yeah i mean the time we're living in right now is so so crazy but sometimes it's just important to recognize that you're not going through this alone. Um, I know that we're going to get through this. And I know if you're listening out there, you're going to get through this too. Um, I always check on Shreya. Um, <laughs> I consider her one of my strong friends. But I know obviously she goes through things too. And like, I really just feel like um, I always tell people she's really just superwoman in the flesh. <laughs> um, like her schedule is always booked and busy. Like she has an actual Google color coordinated schedule filled with either classwork to do or a meeting or her internship or extracurricular. And so like I tell you all the time, I really don't even know how you do it. But yeah, I always check on her. So if you have friends like that, definitely check on them too, because like they might be strong and like have it all together on the outside, but you never know. So. Exactly. Um, thank you, Tati. You're so sweet. A lot of people say that. Um, I like to say that if you're passionate about what you do and if you work hard at it, it's easier to sleep at night. And I'm just trying to get my eight to nine hours of beauty sleep. But again, as Tati was saying, it is so, so, so important to check in on your friends because you never know what's going on, you know, on the inside. And before ending off, I just want to say, always remember mental health doesn't define you. Um, your past traumas and your past and your traumas don't define you. And everyone has their moments and you are good enough. And even as a minority, when you feel like your skin color defines you, remember that it doesn't and that you are a wonderful human being. Is there any last words of encouragement that you would like to say, Sharia? For anyone listening out there, feel free to reach out and connect with me. I wish you all the best, um, especially during these crazy times. I know that you're going to get through this um, and we are right there with you. Well, thank you so much for being a part of this episode and for giving just another minority and like a psychology perspective of mental health in minority communities. Tati, you're an absolutely amazing human being inside and out. And I truly admire you so much. You're doing amazing with this podcast. Thank you so much for including me on this. It's an honor. Thank you. <laughs> um, and that's all for today's episode of Talks with Tatiana. Um, make sure to follow me on Instagram at Talks with Tatiana underscore, on Facebook at Talks with Tatiana, and on Twitter at Talks with Tatiana without the S after talk. Turn on your post notifications and please leave ratings, reviews, and share with your friends. Until next time. Remember, stay open, stay kind, and, and keep, keep fighting, fighting the, the good, good fight. fight.